Good morning, Malhoreb. I know we have some happy South Carolinians in the room today. How many of you enjoyed playing in the snow this weekend? Yes. I know some of you, you were doing the Facebook post and the Instagram post when the first snowflake came down. And then as it actually got more and more, it was very, very exciting. Somebody said to me this morning, why are you really dressed up? I'm like, I got on my like winter snow vest today. This thing only normally makes an appearance during the Christmas season, but I'm like, it's 20 something degrees today. I want to wear my winter snow vest. So hopefully you had an amazing weekend. I'm so grateful to be here today. Like Pastor Jeff said, I'm Grace Marie and the worship arts director here, and it's a joy to be able to serve here on this team and to be a part of what God is doing here, and I believe that he's doing amazing things. This morning is going to be like a collective breath together. When someone asked me uh, about this morning, uh, earlier this week, I said, that's really what it's going to be like. It's going to be like taking a breath together, because we're going to talk about something that we often don't do very well, but we know deep down in our core, oh, this would make our life so much better. And it's what we all actually want. And so we're gonna jump into something this morning I think is gonna refresh us all and hopefully encourage us in the ways of God. Um, this past summer, this past year particularly, was probably the hardest year of my life for a lot of different reasons I won't go into. But in this, uh, in this past year, it felt like there were a lot of things that began to kind of converge all at the same time. Like I couldn't process certain things. They were all just kind of happening and one after the other. And so I was in a place where I just felt like I can't process this. I've been really busy with work. I'm busy with life. I need to be able to get away to be able to really think about how I feel about this and everything that's going on. So I decided I'm going to get away for a few days and be up in a cabin up in the mountains all by myself which sounded like a great idea. What you don't know is that I have a mother who has seen every Lifetime movie in every Dateline episode. So when I inform her of my plans, all she could envision was my kidnapping. And then I was gonna be on the, you know, ABC 2020 at some point. Girl disappears in the mountains. I'm like, mom, I am a grown woman. I am in my 30s. I can go to the mountains by myself. She did not approve of this trip. And so when I said, hey, I need to go, I just need to get away. I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to talk to anybody. I just need to be by myself for a couple of days, but I'll take one of my dogs with me. So I decided to do this trip. So in June, I did this. I went up, I drove, you know, when you go up the mountains, you're going up winding roads and you're kind of like, where are we going to land? Where am I going to end up? And I get there finally and I get all checked in. I grab my bags, I get my dog. I walk into the cabin and I kid you not, Right time I got there and right time I walked in, I actually said out loud as I started feeling anxiety, what have I done? And I felt so stressed out in that situation alone. This is a picture of the cabin. I actually did not show my mom. It felt like very much in the middle of the woods alone. That's the back side of it. That was the front side. I didn't show my mom where the pictures until after the trip was over because she would have been like, I'll be there in two hours. And then, you know, I had taken one of my dogs with me and she was not very appreciative of the situation either. She was very anxious and she was like, well, you know, why did you bring me here? I don't know what I'm doing. I just want my backyard again. So there I was in this situation. I had no cell service, which I was not aware of until I actually got there. And I was like, okay, well, that's not good. Cause I mean, what if I need somebody? What if something happens? What if somebody tries to break in my cabin? And then uh, there's no cell service. There was no TV. I brought a book. I brought things like that to do. And then 
at the, when I registered and got there, they told me, hey, you know, there's no cell service up here, but you know, you can, uh, you can use the, the Wi-Fi. It works in the cabin areas. And I'm like, okay, good. I can message people. I can do FaceTime calling if I need to, if I really need to get in touch with somebody. But after I was there for the first couple of hours and it actually started to get dark, guess what? A storm rolled in and knocked the Wi-Fi out. So here I am sitting in this cabin. I can't even listen to music on my phone because I needed Wi-Fi to be able to access Apple Music. It was all these things that were converging all at once. And I remember sitting there thinking, first thing, nobody told me I had to do this. I can go home right now. I don't care how much money I'll lose in this trip. I'll pack up the car right now and I can drive down this mountain and go back home and have peace in my life. But the second thing I thought to myself was, no, I need to lean into the very reason I came. I need to be by myself. I need to stop. I need to breathe. And I need to listen and try to rest because that's what I actually came to do. You see, often it's hard for us to be present in the moment because we're so used to getting distracted. We're so used to staying busy. And the moment we actually stop and we face ourselves and we begin to pay attention to what's going on in our mind and in our heart, we experience some anxiety. We experience some stress. We experience things that begin to bring these things up in us. But the life that Jesus invites us into is so different than this. This series, The Unhurried Life, I think has been an incredible series. And kind of the overarching theme of it has been this verse from Matthew 11, verse 28. It says this, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. You see, the life that Jesus invites us into is a life truly that will give us rest. But the reality is in order to do that, we have to confront something in our life. We actually have to stop and confront the busyness that keeps us from experiencing this kind of rest. And often we miss it because we do stay so busy. You know, in the Chinese language, I thought this was so interesting when I was studying. In the Chinese language, the word for busy is made up of two symbols, the symbol that stands for heart and the symbol that stands for killing. How often is our busyness actually killing our heart, our passion, our purpose, our soul, the very reason we are even alive and being intended to be breathing on this earth? And isn't that what we all want? A life that's actually connected to our soul. That's what we're talking about this morning. Author and pastor Mark Buchanan says it this way, which I think is beautifully said. He said, most of the things that we need to be most fully alive never come in busyness. They grow in rest. To experience being fully alive, those things never actually come in the busyness and the pace that we live at. They actually come from a place and they grow in rest. What I'd like for us to do together today, which I think is gonna be, like I said, a collective breath together for us to wanna live into this life, is I want us to look and learn together because this is something I am very much learning myself, but the biblical concept of rest, which is something called Sabbath rest. Sabbath rest. I'm sure some of you have heard that phrase or the word, the Sabbath day before, which we'll get a little bit into, but this Sabbath 
rest, what is it and why should we actually practice it? What is Sabbath rest and why should we actually practice it? And let me just say this, this is, this is a disclaimer for the rest of the message today. This is just a starting point. It is just a foundational thing. So if there are things that you feel like, oh, I wish we could have gone into this or learned more about this concept of the Sabbath, there are gonna be resources at the end that I'll give you for that. But really this morning, I want us to just have a healthy starting place of what does our weekly rhythm look and feel like? Here's a question for us to consider. To gauge where you actually are. Okay, I want you to honestly gauge this for yourself. How are you paying attention to your inner space and your outer pace? How are you paying attention to your inner space and your outer pace? Do you have a built-in rhythm to your life each week to actually keep that in check, to pay attention to it? Are you in tune with what that is? Because that's what Sabbath rest is helps us in and helps guide us in. To get a better understanding of that, we're actually gonna look at a scripture today from the book of Exodus. Pastor Jeff actually read from the book of Exodus earlier about uh, Moses and the people of God, but we're gonna start in Exodus 20. And to give you a little background of this passage, uh, the, the, uh, God's people had just been rescued from Egypt. They've been rescued out of Egypt and they had been slaves and they were they crossed over the Red Sea. Now they were going into the wilderness and God came to them and gave them a new way to live. You're gonna be different than all the other nations. You're gonna be different for all these things and I'm gonna come to you, I'm gonna give you a new way to live. What we know is this is the 10 commandments, but right in the middle of all that, this is what it says in verse eight. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you and your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. God tells his people there should be one day that looks different from all the other days. Someone said it this way, that the Sabbath day is a day that you do something different than all the other days during the week. Whatever you spend your days doing the other days, whether it's your work, whether it's your task, your un, even unpaid work where your, the laundry never stops, the dishes never stop, the yard work never stops, the planning never stops. Whatever all those things make up of your work week and your un, even your unpaid work that you put your hands to, the Sabbath day is supposed to look different than every other day day. When you hear the word Sabbath, now several things probably come to your mind. For the Jewish people in this context, it actually meant a literal 24-hour period of time. And they would begin their Sabbath on the evening of Friday and go all the way to the evening of Saturday. For some reason, I always thought it was just Saturday for the Jewish people. And so as I was studying recently, I was like, oh, that's, that's interesting. I never actually caught up on that. And what they would actually do in a Jewish household, they would actually light a candle and that would officially begin their Sabbath time. So this Sabbath day of rest, a literal 24 hour period. Now for many Christians and many of you here today, you would say you, you think of your Sabbath day as Sunday. 
Many Christians today choose Sunday as the Sabbath day, and even culturally, that's kind of how it's understood. There's a lot of things we could go into for that, but we won't go into that today. But I'm grateful that many of you have chosen to spend the Sabbath day here with us at Mount Horeb. You've made it an intentional part of your day to rest, to worship, to listen, to be engaged, to serve. Those of you watching online, you've intentionally gathered with your family or your friends, and you're listening and you're worshiping, and you're engaging in the things of God. For us that work on Sunday, or consider, consider this our job, a lot of us take a Friday, or a Saturday, where we can unplug and stop work. But for our intents and purposes today, I just want you to think about it that way. It's a 24-hour period in your week. It's the rhythm we're gonna talk about. They say 24-hour period within your week, built in for rest. Now the word Sabbath, the Hebrew word is Shabbat. That's a good word, right? I want you to say that. Say it strong with me. Shabbat. Shabbat. Okay, the the literal meaning of this word means to cease or to stop. To cease or to stop. Feels pretty basic. That's for you who have kids. The next time your kids aren't listening, you can just say, I told you to Shabbat. That just feels like you might get their attention a little bit better than just like, stop it. Shabbat it. I think think you have some weight there with that word. Let's see if that catches... Uh, Some of us may naturally think, oh yeah, I take a Sabbath day. That's when I slow down. Let me tell you, there is a big difference between slow down and stop. I had a cop in my neighborhood remind me of that several years ago when I slowed down at the stop sign and he pulled me over. And I'm like, why am I being pulled over? I mean, I I like slowed down there. I was, he quickly reminded me with a ticket that stop actually means stop. Some of us maybe have learned that the hard way. So there should be a 24-hour period where we get to and we actually stop. We Shabbat. One of my first jobs was working at Chick-fil-A. Who has served their time like a good Christian working at Chick-fil-A at some point? There we go. That's right. My day was filled with my pleasures for everything. I would wipe down tables. I would clean toilets. I would serve waffle fries, hopefully not on the same shift. And Chick-fil-A runs an amazing business, don't they? I mean, they have it down. I mean, they, the way that their system works and who's doing what and you put me, they can get so many people through their line. It's actually incredible. But guess what? Come Saturday night when they close the doors, everything Shabbats. It stops because they're not working on Sunday. So if you want the Lord's chicken, you better get it the other six days of the week. You know what I mean? And I always, I always want Chick-fil-A on Sunday Like, I'm like, I feel like those nuggets are just gonna taste better on a Sunday. I don't know what it is, but you can't get them because they stopped. They've been intentional as a company to have a day when it all Shabbats, when it all stops. And they don't make their their employees actually take a real Sabbath day where they're leaning into the things of God, but they have done this. They've given people the opportunity to actually practice Sabbath rest as a company and their sales have not suffered for it. You see, this concept of stopping work would have been revolutionary to the people of God that heard this for the first time in Exodus 20. Why would it have been revolutionary? These people were known as the Hebrew slaves. They had been in Egypt for over 400 years. God's people had been in captivity there as slaves. Every day they had to make bricks It was monotonous. It was gruesome work. You couldn't call in if you had a headache. 
You couldn't sleep in because you were busy over the weekend and you needed some extra time. You didn't earn vacation time. That is who they were. They were workers, slaves. Their only value and worth was in their work, what they made, what they produced, what they accomplished. And work was all that they knew. And out of this situation, God rescues them. And he says, oh, I have a new way for you to live. And in this new way for you to live, you're gonna have a 24-hour period where you don't do any work. When you accomplish nothing in terms of work, this is amazing to think about. This Sabbath day was a chance for God to remind them that they were more than their work. Woo. Anybody need to hear that? Someone said no. <laughs> one day maybe, you know. Does anybody need to hear that? That one day it will be reminded the one day that we are more than our work. See, oftentimes our busyness, we begin to wear like a badge of honor. Ooh, look at all I did. Look at how I'm climbing the ladder. Look how I'm becoming somebody. Look at all that I'm doing and producing and accomplishing. But we're not fully living when we reduce our life to this. God's people are being reminded by taking a Sabbath that you're actually more than your work. But why is this so hard for us to practice? So you may be like, oh, that sounds great. 24 hours a day, I don't have to do any actual work work. And that doesn't mean be lazy. We'll get to that later. But that sounds great. But why is it so hard for us to actually practice that? Many of you grew up singing this song, he's got the whole world in his hands. I know you know it. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands, he's got the whole world. In his hands, he's got the whole world in his hands. That song goes on. You got the mamas and the papas, you and me, brother, sister. It's a great song that you can remember. And actually, when I was thinking about this this past week, I actually thought this. Maybe in its simplest form, that's what Sabbath is about. Being reminded that the world doesn't actually rest on us. That when you actually stop, the world keeps going because God is the one holding all things together. Psalm 95 says it this way, he holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to him for he made it. His hands form the dry land too. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. Oftentimes, I think the reason it's hard for us to stop and actually let go of our work, what we're doing, producing, and accomplishing is that we don't want to be reminded that we're finite. We don't want to be reminded that things actually can keep going if we step back and step out. But friends, that is the very reason why we should practice it, isn't it? The very reason why we should practice Sabbath is because we need to be reminded of just that, that God is the one actually orchestrating all things and we're leaning in to him in our life. Rich Velotis is a pastor and author and he wrote an incredible book, which I'm gonna tell you about later, called The Deeply Formed Life. And in this book, he talks a lot about Sabbath. He says the Sabbath is an invitation to a life that isn't, dominated or distorted by work. 
It's an invitation into a life that isn't dominated or distorted by work. Now, some of you, put your phones away. I know that you're like already emailing your boss that you need to take the week off. I know that's what you're doing. Or some of you are like working on your resignation letter while you're listening to this message. Please don't do that. That is not what we're trying to encourage this morning at all. What we are saying is we need to be mindful of work in our life, but we also need to realize that work is a good thing. Work is a gift from God. Actually, work was given to us before the fall happens in Genesis. Before sin enters the world, work and responsibility were grace to us. And so let's not get caught up in that. See, I happen to love my job. I love what I do. I have an incredible team that I get to work with here. I love the planning and the preparing for things. I love singing and leading worship. I love studying and teaching. So for me, it's a little bit harder because I have this drive. It's harder for me to stop sometimes. It's harder for me to Shabbat. Some of you, it's hard for you to start. So you're like, this message is great. Cause I, you know, I do need to go in late tomorrow. Okay, that is not what I'm saying. Some of you need a little more, a little more drive. You need to actually do the start. And that's what we're talking about this morning. But this whole idea is God's idea. The start, the work is actually God's idea. And so is the stop. It says this in the rest of this passage. He gives that command. Don't work, 24-hour period a day. Everything stops, everything Shabbats. And then it says this in verse 11. Verse 11 says this, for in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. The word there, Shabbat. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. You see, God himself was reminding them that he's the one who initiated Sabbath. To get the full context of what is even being said there when it's referencing God as creator, I want us to look at the actual passage. It's Genesis 2, one through three. It says, so the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all of his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all of his work of creation. Here's what I don't want us to miss this morning because this is incredible to me. God had been intentionally creating the other six days. He had intentionally ordered his week in such a way that at the end of the week, he could say, it is finished and he could rest on the seventh day. And guess what the actual Hebrew word there is? Like I said, it's Shabbat in Genesis. It's he stopped creating. He ceased from his work. The very rhythm that God put into the world was he ordered his days and his work in such a way that he could get to the seventh day. So we see God creating intentionally with heavens, earth, day, night, Sun, moon, oceans, land, animals, humans. And at the end, he was able to say, I'm finished and it is good. He stopped creating and he delighted in what had been created. God rested. Now, growing up for some reason, and maybe some of you have this mindset, I always, whenever I read that or understood that, I always thought God needed a nap, okay? How many of you love a good nap, okay? 
You got some nappers in the room. You can have a holy nap. I'm not much of a napper. It's hard for my personality to just be like, oh, I'm gonna go take a nap. But napping is good and maybe that's a good thing for you. But when I always understood that, that's how I pictured, like God got tired. Look at all the wonderful things he made. He got tired, he needed a nap. I have two nieces who they've been taught to refer to nap time as rest time. And I think it's the cutest thing ever. Like when I've been helping babysit them, they'll say things like, is it time for my rest? And I'm like, that is adorable. Yes, you wanna take a nap? Yes, I need a rest. I'm like, wow, that was not me as a kid. When I was a kid, I remember early elementary school, nap time is when you had to go get the, those little red and blue mats, anybody? And like the classroom would be like transformed into like nap space. You had to like put your desk on the side of the room. Everybody had to lay their mats out. And I, oh, I hated it. So I would go and I'd lay down, you know, and I just wanted to keep talking or chatting or doing whatever. And so I was not a good kid during nap time. And I remember, I think it was around the second grade, one of my teachers came over to me and said, you're gonna wish you had nap time when you're my age. <laughs> Which terrified me and made me not wanna grow up. But it's true, nap time, that scared me when she said that to me. But no, God did not need a nap. God was not tired in that sense. The word there means that he just finished his work. He ordered his work and work week in such a way that he was finished, he completed it. Maybe some of us struggle with being able to rest and to actually stop because we have not been good stewards the other six days. Oh, that hit me too. When I, when I typed it out on my paper, I was like, I feel convicted about that. Maybe we haven't been good stewards the other six days of the week, so it feels like it never stops. Maybe if that's true for us this morning, we need to reorder our week. We maybe need to get up a little earlier. Maybe we need to plan our day. Maybe we need to work on our calendar more. Maybe we need to schedule things differently. Maybe we need to figure out ways to be more efficient. If this resonates with you this morning, I'm gonna stop there because Pastor Trevor actually preached an incredible message on that last weekend, all about how to be proactive with your life and with your days and with your hours. So if that's something you feel like you wanna dig more into because it resonates with you, go back, listen to that message, it's online and we resource it. But maybe that's the issue with a lot of us. We feel like we're not gonna be as productive if we actually stop all of our work. We can't afford the break. We can't afford to not be busy. I have too many things to do. There's a story that I recently heard about a wood chopper, okay? This wood chopper wanted to challenge someone to a wood chopping contest. And so he finds this other guy and says, I wanna have a wood chopping contest. So they start early in the morning and they begin to chop wood. You know, they go, 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 go. And the one guy who did the challenging begins to chop wood and he is making all this progress and he doesn't stop all day. He's chopping, he's chopping, he's chopping, he's chopping, he's chopping, he's chopping, he's chopping. Never takes a break, hard worker, badge of honor. The other person started chopping wood, worked really hard, but then would take a break. He worked really hard, then would take another break, and he took breaks throughout his work day, and uh, the other guy noticed it, and he's like, what's he doing? Like, going to get a snack? That'd probably be me. He running to Starbucks? I don't know what's happening. He keeps taking these breaks, but the other guy just kept going and going and going. At the end of the day, this guy realized, uh, okay, let's see who won, and he realized that the other guy actually had more wood than him. That with his ax, he had actually chopped more wood than him, and so he was astonished. How did this happen? I worked all day. I never even took a break. You took breaks throughout the day. How could you possibly have actually produced more than me? 
And that's when this guy said, ah, but that's when I was actually sharpening my ax. You see, there's something that happens when we choose to live into this rhythm that God has put into the order of the world, where we actually become better the other six days. We actually are healthier people. We're actually more engaged with the world. We're more connected to our soul. We're more connected to the things that God wants when we live that way. It's been said by many people, you don't keep the Sabbath, the Sabbath keeps you. Oh, that was so good when I read that. You don't keep the Sabbath, the Sabbath actually keeps you, it's for you. And some of us struggle with this because we think, ah, oh, I need to, to work so hard that I actually quote unquote deserve a break. I need to get to the point where I deserve it and I earn time off to do that. You know, I love a good vacation. I have a big birthday coming up this year and I'm trying to figure out what I'm gonna do for vacation. I won't tell you what birthday it is, maybe one day. But I wanna do a really fun trip because it's a big birthday, but I love vacations. I've been to some incredible places in the US and overseas and one of the most interesting trips I ever took, I thought I would show you this picture of this vacation. I actually got to go to Egypt, as we talked about Egypt this morning and the brick making of the Hebrew slaves. And I got to ride horses out in Cairo, Egypt, where the pyramids are. And it was quite an interesting thing to see that in person. And some of you, I'm sure, have taken some amazing vacations. Some of you are planning your spring break vacation right now, I'm sure. And vacation is wonderful. Vacation is great. But here's, here's a problem that I think we find ourselves specifically in America and with this Western mindset. There's this secular rhythm, and this is what we find ourselves in. Work, 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 rest, vacation. We've made it, whew, 12 months. And then you're just exhausted. And you need a vacation from your vacation because you didn't really get to do anything. But that's a secular rhythm if you really look at that. The sacred rhythm that God is saying, hey, this is what your life could be like. It's work, rest, work, rest. Work, rest, work, vacation, enjoy it. Now there's gonna be seasons where you're gonna be busier than other times. And obviously there's emergencies and things that come up. So don't, please don't use any of this as an excuse. This is just about being intentional with your life and leaning into the things of God. A weekly rhythm of rest is good for the heart and it's good for the soul, it's not something that we should be striving for to earn. We shouldn't feel like we have to work so hard to be allowed to take a break or to not be available on email or to not answer a phone call for work. There should be a period of time where we feel like we're allowed to unplug each and every week because Sabbath is a gift, it is not a reward. I want you to hear that. Sabbath is a gift, it's not a reward. You see something incredible that I learned when I was studying for this message is yes, that God created the first six days. He ordered creation in a way, one, two, three, four, five, six days. And then on the seventh day, he rested. But the sixth day was when he created humanity, Adam and Eve. Humanity was created on the sixth day, which meant that humanity's first day was actually a Sabbath day. 
where they could join in with God and say, it is good. It is very good. You see, humanity's first day was about delighting, not accomplishing. Humanity's first day was about delighting, not accomplishing. Have some of us lost our way, forgotten how to be human? It said so beautifully before that we are human beings, not human doings. And the beauty of humanity's first day of resting and delighting is that God loved them when they were accomplishing and producing nothing. Humanity started there. Humanity started there. So I'm sure a lot of you are like, okay, well, that sounds good, but I can't do that. Or how do I even practice that? Where do I even start? How do I actually practice a Sabbath rest in my life? And I'll just first say that this is not a one size fits all. Everybody in this room is different. What things feed your heart and your soul? What makes you feel more connected to the world and your purpose? What makes you feel more alive? Maybe you could start there. How can you engage more with God's beautiful world? How can you truly delight, which is what the seventh day was about when God said it is good, it is very good, and humanity joined in with that. Here are just some practical ideas, and maybe some things resonate with you. Maybe just take a walk during some of those hours. Pray, have an amazing meal with a friend, cook together, or go to your favorite restaurant. Play Frisbee with your family just for the sake of doing it. Hold your significant other's hand just to be present and delight in the good grace of God. Gather with like-minded believers like we've done here this morning. And as a collective group of people, we say yes to God together and we listen and we get encouraged and we sing praises to God and we Sabbath together, we stop our work. Serve on a volunteer team where you sacrificially are pouring yourself out, which is the model of Jesus. Journal, read, watch a movie with a friend, listen to the birds sing, which is something that I love to do. Here's the key. Be present in every moment by delighting in God's good world and God's good gifts. Be present in every moment by delighting in God's good world and God's good gifts. We can't afford to not live this way by saying we have too much to do. Here's the reality. When God's people heard this for the first time, there was plenty to do. When God's people heard this command for the first time, there was plenty to do. They were headed to the promised land, incidentally in scripture known as the land of rest. There were over a million of God's people that were traveling through the wilderness. And guess what? There was a lot to organize and do and figure out how they were gonna take care of each other, how they were gonna get there, what systems were they gonna use to actually make it there. But still God says, yes, there's a lot to do. You have a ways to go. You're going, but guess what? You're going to the land of rest and I'm gonna let you experience little bits and pieces of rest all along the way. You see, this was a glimpse of what was to come. They were on a journey to the promised land, but this was a glimpse 
where they were reminded that they were more than their work. And it was just a picture of what was to come. You see, friends, we are all on a journey. We're all on a journey. And actually Hebrews 4, 9 says it this way. It says, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Some versions say an eternal rest for the people of God. And yes, we have things to do. We have responsibilities that God's graced us with. We have things that we need to be about and passionate about and driven about. But God says, hey, don't forget, an eternal rest is coming when you're in my presence forever that you can fully experience me. But I want you to get a glimpse of that all along the way when you get to practice Sabbath. And here's what I know to be true. If we really begin to take this Sabbath rest intentionally as God has said, and we see all throughout scripture, I think we'll begin to see it integrated throughout our everyday life. Maybe we'll find ourselves a little more present at dinner on a Wednesday, on a work day. Maybe when we actually sit down and talk with a friend, we're not also trying to text and do a million other things because we're constantly trying to balance so many things. Maybe the Sabbath rest will begin to show up in all of these moments of our life. And it's just a glimpse of the eternal rest to come when we experience God's good gifts and God's good world. You see, when I was at that cabin that I talked about in the beginning and showed you that picture, I was feeling the weight of the world. I was feeling how I'm gonna handle all these things. I was on a mountain, but I felt like I was in a valley. We sang about that earlier. And I was feeling burdened by so many things and I was feeling overwhelmed. And at some point that night, a really late text came through the storm passed, the Wi-Fi came back up, which was helpful because then I wasn't quite as stressed out anymore, but I was feeling so many emotions and a text came through. It was after midnight, that very first night, it was from Pastor Jeff. And if you know Pastor Jeff, he's notorious for the late night texts, but I was very grateful for it. It was after midnight, like I said, and he simply sent me some scripture because he knew I had gone away to pray and to be alone for, for a few days. He simply typed out to me Psalm 36, and in that it says this, how precious is your unfailing love, O God. All humanity finds shelter in the shadow of your wings. All humanity finds shelter in the shadow of your wings. Maybe the most important thing we can do today is realize that Sabbath rest is about finding shelter and resting in this God who's got all things under control. He's inviting us into it to experience his peace, his presence, and his rest in the now and the here until we fully experience it in the life to come. Let's pray. God, for your grace, your love, your mercy, for the reminder that we are human beings and not human doings, for the reminder that the world does not rest on our shoulders. When we stop, you continue to work and order the world as you hold all things together. May we be people who are more in tune with the life that you've called us to live by being more alive in you and more aware of your presence. It's in the holy name of Jesus that we pray.